EMS One Academy is the leading way in high-quality, affordable training for EMTs and paramedics nationwide. Your department can take advantage of more than 150 full-length training courses and 225 hours of EMS continuing education in a robust learning management system. Training is accredited by the Commission on Accreditation of Pre-Hospital Continuing Education. Administrative features include group administration, credential management, custom course creation, assignments, offline training tracking, and more, all customized to meet the needs of the EMS training officers. To schedule a free demo, go to ems1academy.com forward slash. Medic 61, District 6, stage first shooting. Skimmer Way near Lakeland, Charles 478, Tango. Thank you for joining us on Inside EMS. Now the always entertaining Chris Ceballero and the Ted Nugent of EMS, Kelly Grayson. Well, show 151. Here we go with the march towards 200, and it's time to go inside EMS. I'm your host, Chris Ceballero, and with me is the Ted Nugent of EMS, Kelly Grayson. Kelly, how are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. Still celebrating our, our three-year anniversary. I think you so, know, man. Chris, we may have to celebrate it for uh, a couple of days here. Aside from, from Nancy and, and my ex-wife, you're the longest relationship I've had, man. Well, thank you. I mean, that sounds pretty good, and it's sad for you, but... <laughs> I'm happy. I'm happy to. Uh, I'm happy to be up there in those numbers, man. So thank you very much for that. But yeah, I mean, we got a lot of great well wishes uh, from fans, from friends. Uh, you know, a really great article. Sarah, our partner over there at EMS One, oh, did yeah, a really great was... article on us, and we sounded almost real. Yeah, she was able to uh, translate my my southernisms and actually have it sound like English. I'm, I was impressed. The, uh, yeah, no, all no. the Cajun talk. All the Cajun, that's right. All the Cajun use, yeah. All the Kelly Grayson colloquialisms. So that's right. But I'm excited, man. I'm excited to continue the show, and uh, you know, it's been yeah. a really great run, and we're 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 kicking off, and we're going for our next big milestone. So this time next year, we'll oh, talk yeah. about 200 shows, and and uh, you know, we just keep plugging Sweet. forward, and we want to thank the audience for being there to support us, and let's remember. Uh, it is bring a friend to the show uh, year. So uh, that's right. As a dedicated listener, we're we're tasking you with the responsibility of bringing a listener to the show and uh, helping us grow our audience. So thank you very much for that. You know, so Kelly, there's been a lot of things that's happened in the news this week. One comes from our friends at MedStar in Fort Worth, Texas, and and their partnership now in the community paramedicine space of using the transport service Lyft. There are other EMS agencies that are looking at partnering with Uber. And, you know, in the career field for a long time, there's been talk about Uber and Lyft becoming part of EMS in the sense of carrying AEDs or, or helping us with transport. Well, now it's come true, Kelly, and, and MedStar has a partnership now with Lyft, helping them take care of their transports. And if you haven't seen the article, one of the things that MedStar is doing down there in Fort Worth, Texas, is they have a nurse triage. So when you call 911, they go through the normal priority dispatch protocol, Kelly. And, and one of the things that happens is if you get lower into that protocol, the call will go to a nurse triage. And she will go ahead and take the triage deeper into that protocol to make the determination, do you have a medical emergency? Sometimes those calls go back to the dispatcher and say, we need to get an ambulance to this person. But in the case of no medical emergency, Kelly, what's happening now is MedStar is now sending Lyft 
to pick the patient up and maybe not necessarily bring them to the hospital, but maybe bring them to a clinic or bring them to an urgent center or even bring them to their PCP. So now when we think about this concept of using Uber and using Lyft in the EMS vertical, is this something that we need to look for? I mean, you and I have been doing this for such a long time and we've said these people just don't need to go to the hospital. So is it something now that we can work out with these transport agencies to maybe get our patients to the hospital. And I think it would be a really good topic if we could touch on it and, and really kind of see if there's any value of this in our career field. You know, I think in the abstract, it sounds like a wonderful idea, but the devil is in the details. Uh, these these sorts of initiatives, uh, alternate uh, destination uh, protocols and paramedic-initiated refusals and, and that sort of thing are always fraught with liability. You and I talk and, and we say, you know, We've all had these these patients we know didn't need to go to a hospital and 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 that sort of thing, but that's you and I. Um, yeah, but that's that's you and I, and, and we all know medic who could probably make that decision safely. Uh, the question is is can the stupidest paramedic at your ambulance uh, service or EMS agency make that same decision safely? Uh, and until the answer to that is yes, I don't think this is going to be a widespread thing or, or a workable solution. Uh, you know, doctors in emergency departments wrestle quite often with the, with the decision whether to admit someone or send them home. And that's with all the diagnostic acumen and the technology and, and the education that they have to decide whether a patient needs to be hospitalized or not. Yet we have this conceit that we can uh, check a patient out and do a 12-lead EKG and, and, and a cursory assessment in most cases and think that the patient doesn't need uh, to go to an emergency department. And historically, EMS has proved it, proven itself to be really pathetic uh, at making those yeah, decisions. Yeah, I don't know. Kelly, come on. Uh, yeah, yeah. Have you look at uh, you look at the there have been studies on on triage decisions and and uh, transport no transport decisions and the paramedics typically uh, do very poorly on those on those uh, those um, questionnaires. Um, it's just something that that if we're going to do and I and I don't dispute the fact that we need to do it. The question is, is, are we capable of doing it at this point in our, in our professional development? Uh, most paramedics, uh, and I'll even include myself there, most paramedics are not capable of safely making that decision for the vast majority of our patients. Well, first now, off, I don't know that they're making those decisions. I think that they should be following protocol, and I know this is a topic that you don't like. Uh -huh. I mean, your protocol is re really guiding you as to what care should look like, a and this is no different than us uh, signing out people AMA. So if people don't want to go to the hospital or, or we think that people don't need to go to the hospital, and I've used that before. I said, you know, when I've, when I've kind of given an assessment to patients, I could say, look, your blood pressure is normal. Your heart looks good. Uh, you know, nothing gives me concern that you need to go to the hospital right now. Of course, I will take you. But I think I feel comfortable where if you want to stay here, that you will be okay. If you need to call us back, please call us back. Now, what if we're able to look at it to say, you know what, this is something that doesn't need to go to the ER, but let me go ahead and get you a, a Lyft or an Uber to your PCP or to a urgent care center. Rather than go into an ER, 
They can go to an urgent care center if they want to confer with a doc. We can use a telemedicine component if they want to stay at home. But we have to start thinking about how do we move patients that need to move, that don't have medical emergencies, that are just using EMS for a taxi ride. Yeah, well, well, conveyance to a non-emergency department destination uh, is probably less uh, liability prone than just outright paramedic initiated refusal. But then again, you, you still have uh, several major uh, obstacles here. First of all, we assume that there is an alternate destination to go to. You know, for a, a huge segment of the population, we are their primary care and the emergency department is their primary care it's all well and good to say go to the urgent care center uh or go see your primary care physician uh if they have a primary care physician but when you're uninsured or you take medicaid uh, or you don't take medicaid patients or you're not accepting new medicaid or medicare patients which a great many physicians are uh are not doing um there, there's a, a, a major shortage of providers and clinics available for people. So but what where do they, they default going, to? Where are they going now? They go into the, they're going to the emergency department. Do they have to go by ambulance? Because that's the only thing available to them. But do they have no, to go by don't. ambulance? But, but, but the people that are most likely to choose the emergency department uh, as their default health care provider are probably the demographic that's also likely to call an ambulance to do that and expect it to happen. Okay, now, that- should we be should we be catering to that? Heck no. We need to stop that. The question is is are we capable as a profession of doing that safely now with the level of education and professionalism that most EMTs and paramedics possess? I think it's iffy. All right, so I, I basically I know medics that that I would trust with that decision. But they are far outnumbered with the medics that I do not want making that decision. So and, let me just and, clarify. And if you're your honest point. with yourself, well, let me let me let me let me throw it out there. If you're honest with yourself, you would say that too, because I bet you. Well, money, what do you mean? I, I don't. I, I like this idea. I don't think this is a bad I idea. Would, I would bet you solid money that your list of paramedics that you don't want taking care of you and loved ones is longer than the list that you would want taking care of loved ones. So your 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 position then, if I get this right, if I'm hearing you correctly, isn't the fact that you don't like this idea of using this mode of transport, you just don't think that paramedics are capable of making this decision? Uh, no, I don't think we are. All right. So and, and, and basically... It pains me to say that. I wish my profession were better than that. Um, but at this point, I don't think we are not, not, not profession wide. I don't think we are. There may be pockets of excellence throughout the country that can do this. And MedStar may well be one of them. Is it viable? Well, I guess we'll see, but, uh, I, you know, EMS is going to have to step up its game significantly to be able to make this workable. I think the nurse triage, they're really kind of cutting their teeth for the career field, Kelly. And I think this is something that EMS really needs to look at because if we can forego the transport at the dispatch center, that's something I think we need to try to do. I want to go ahead and get back to your concern that we're not capable of making the decision that someone doesn't need to go by ambulance. And I think you're being a little bit short-sighted, but I don't know where to tackle you on this. So maybe you can give me a little bit more of your argument so I can understand your thought of not being able to make that decision. Um, I would put it this way. You, you have, I have, you have uh, virtually any paramedic listener or EMS listener to our show has had these kind of calls where you were, weren't quite sure. Um, and the patient, uh, 
wasn't quite sure whether the patient needed to go to the hospital or not, and you didn't feel good about uh, getting a refusal, even though you got one anyway, because you couldn't talk the patient into it. You have also seen some of our coworkers, our fellow EMS professionals, flat out discourage and talk people out of going to the hospital that clearly needed to go. Especially, at, you, especially at shift change. Yeah, especially. Well, yeah, you know, and tell me you haven't seen that. But, you Tell know, me you haven't seen that more times than you, you care to admit. When that sort of thing goes on, then, then what happens when we empower that kind of medic to make that kind of decision? They're already what making you got. it against their policies and procedures and protocols, um, but they know they can get away with it because there's no supervisor looking over their shoulder when it happens. So when you empower them to do that, What's the end result going to be? I but, think it's going to we're going to have some major major problems. But here's the end result that we're talking about here. In a refusal, the, you know, do, do have paramedics talked people out of going to the hospital? Uh, the answer is yes. You're not talking anybody out of going to the hospital. You're just talking them into taking an, an, an alternative mode of transport to a hospital or an alternative mode of transport to an urgent care center or to a clinic. One of the things that they have down there in Fort Worth, Texas, and a lot of areas have this, is they have free clinics there. You know, mm -hmm. a John Peter Smith Hospital is the uh, community hospital. It's the tax-based hospital that takes care of those indigent patients. One of the resources that they have is they have these clinics that are around as well. Instead of getting them to the hospital, they can go to one of these clinics and they could use this, this Lyft or this Uber uh, mode of transport to do that. So are we really saying that paramedics can't make the decision to leave people at home? Well, I think that that's a different discussion. I think that people who are talking folks out of going to the hospital, I think that people are, who, are, who are talking and getting refusals from patients, that's where the challenge is. But to say, I'm going to go ahead and let you get to a, a, a higher um, or get to a place where you can be looked at and, and taking an alternative mode of transport. I don't know that that's fitting into your argument. I think it fits in perfectly. Great comeback. The, great, that's a great you, comeback. You can have the you can have the most uh, elegantly phrased protocol uh, and clearly delineating what the parameters are for uh, convey to the emergency department versus non-convey versus convey to an alternate destination via alternate non-ambulance means. You can have all that written out in flowery detail. The failing is going to be the people that implement it. And until we cre increase our baseline of people uh, that are going to be uh, um, implementing that protocol, uh, you're going to have failures. And in many systems, I think you're going to have failure rates far beyond uh, what uh, is acceptable. Um, I see two weak links. First of all, the people. Second of all, the protocol and, and the triage, uh, the, the phone triage scheme. Uh, you know, MPDS is famous for over-triaging. Uh, sending more. Can we just <laughs> let's say priority dispatch for the people yeah. who don't know that All acronym? Right, yeah, medical priority dispatch system uh, is famous for over triaging, but it's not all that accurate. One of the things that uh, I remember a study that Brian Bledsoe cited uh, in one of his EMS myths debunk uh, uh, sessions was a hundred a hundred years ago. <clears throat> well, it wasn't so much a hundred years ago. Uh, it was probably less than ten years ago. But uh, he pointed out that as far as triage of the thirty-two uh, dispatch determinants under MPDS, uh, sixteen of them had 
uh, about a 50% positive predictive value, and the other 16 had less than a 50% positive predictive value. To put that in some uh, in, in perspective, that means that half the dispatch determinants were less accurate than a coin flip, and the other half of the dispatch determinants were only as accurate as a coin flip at sending the right level of resources to the job. Um, one of the things many people will tell you that it over triages the heck out of abdominal pain and falls. I've heard it said, I'm not sure if this is urban legend or not, so take it with a grain of salt, that they won't indemnify you uh, for deviating from their protocol. Uh, yet uh, a number of systems that use medical priority dispatch as, their, as their, their dispatch system have been willing to take that risk. Boston EMS, for example, they use uh, something similar. Uh, it's based on medical priority dispatch, but things like abdominal pain, they down triage quite a bit, falls as well, and, and several others. Um, so, but that's not, that's picking on medical priority dispatch. It doesn't matter which system it is you use. There's always going to be the weak link and how people interpret it. And, and the fact that turds that walk among us are going to give themselves as much oh wiggle God, as they being, can. You're just being uh, cantankerous. You need a hug. You need a hug. You're being cantankerous I may, today. I may, I may, I may need a hug and then, you know, give me the bro hug with the double back tap afterwards. Uh, I'll feel better, but that's right. Um, that's, I what really, the, that's what the fist, right? That's what the fist yeah, is. That's, that's, not right. a hand, that's not a hand on the back. Oh, yeah. Um, let, let me ask you this, Kelly. Cause... And I wish I had a sunnier outlook, and I really do. But but honestly, there's there's quite a – until I can say that, that um, apathetic employees or undereducated paramedics are the exception and not the norm – then I think this problem has uh, th this system has some issues. Um, do I think it's a good system and a good idea? Heck yeah, we got to do something to to help curb overutilization of the emergency department and EMS. The question is, are we capable uh, as a profession of doing that right now? And I yeah. have serious doubts. Yeah. So I mean, I'm going to hit a couple points, and I, I think that any time you put something in place. And you use the term "the stupidest paramedic in the in the department," and I and I kind of protocols I, are written for, by the way. But I cringe when I cringe when you I cringe when you said that because I don't think there's stupid paramedics. I think that there's inexperienced paramedics that need to be trained. Oh, uh, you got to work with some. We need. We hadn't met the same people. Then. Well, whatever, whatever. <laughs> so, but you know, here's the thing to think about: if I'm going to put something in place as a leader. I need to be able to make sure that my people are in a position that they're able to utilize that resource, that tool, that policy, that procedure as best that they can. In the failure of that, it's not the paramedic's fault. It's the leadership's fault that that's not working the way that it is. Now, we go on scene, and I was going to ask you to give me a scenario, but maybe I'll do that. So we go on scene. We go ahead and, and find a patient. We do our, you know, we, we get our vital signs. We look at the medications. We do an assessment. We make the determination that, you know what, maybe this, this person should go and see a doctor. Maybe they, they have something in their lungs that's a little bit junky and they could use some antibiotics or something that they need to see a doctor for. But it doesn't necessarily mean that they have to go to the hospital. Isn't it appropriate now for me to say, look... You necessarily don't need to go to the ER. You could go to the free clinic. You could go to the urgent care center. Or you could go to the hospital. You just don't need to go by ambulance. 
I'm going to go ahead and get you a ride and get you there in a safe manner that uh, you're going to go ahead and get taken care of. Now, there's a big misconception that just because you go to the ER, and this is this would be my conversation, that you you if you go to the ER by ambulance, you're going to be seen you quicker. You get seen first. But yeah. I'm going to tell you that if I take you to the hospital in the condition you're in, they're probably not going to see you right away, and they're going to put you in triage. For that case... Isn't it better that we get you to the hospital and something that isn't going to cost hundreds of dollars to you? Chris, you have, you have made an excellent argument. And if I were a patient, uh, I would pay attention to that and probably accede uh, to your wishes and, and take the non-ambulance transport. Question is, is how well or how many of our colleagues would explain it that well? You're hitting this with a broad brush, though, man. Um, sorry, uh, the broad brush tar is the worst paramedics in the bunch. (laughs) Like I said, I I prefaced my statement earlier saying that I know medics, you know, medics, we probably all know medics in the system that can be trusted to do this. Uh, but until those medics are, uh, the norm and not the exception, um, I, I think it's a problem. Uh, I would, for example, if this were, say, a community paramedicine program or mobile integrated health uh, program and, and you had specially trained paramedics with, with training in long-term disease management and, and uh, you know, greater, um, greater understanding of, of uh, disease management and, and pathophysiology and, and, and a longstanding history with these patients that they visit every week, I would, I would be okay with them making those types of decisions using some sort of formalized protocol um, because those, but those are not our normal medics. Those, those are, that's a small cadre uh, that has proven themselves or, or demonstrated the, the aptitude to do more than just work a street. Um, you know, those medics, not a problem, but right. is that the baseline for EMS? No. Well, let me That's go ahead. not the baseline for, and and you know, I'll 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 temper my words a little bit. You're yelling at me. You're yelling say, at me now. I, yeah, no, I'll I'll temper my words a little bit. I said the stupidest paramedics out there, and no, I I tend to agree with you. I don't think that that uh, most paramedics are stupid. I think that most paramedics are undereducated, and we as a system and 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 as educators, myself included, have failed them in that regard. Um, but then again, that's all the system demands most of the time. And I think that they, Most I think of the, time the EMS system wants meat in the seat. It doesn't want, uh, it, it doesn't demand a higher quality caregiver than we're currently cranking out. It should, but that's what we got. I we're, think that, we're producing what people wanted. I think there's more apathy than there is. I think that there are more people that are, are, are not wanting to do the right thing than they're not able to do the right thing. But well, anyway, you, there's a couple if points. If you took a poll, if you took a poll about the, and asked what are the two, What's the biggest problem in EMS, ignorance or apathy? The answers would be de- evenly split between I don't know and I don't care. Well, let me tell you why. For the people <laughs> – oh, I see what you say. It was a joke. <laughs> Kelly, there's, a, there's a Kelly Graysonism. So, But here's the thing that I want to touch on. Two things first off. First, one is uh, I think the priority dispatch system works, and I'm a fan of the priority dispatch system. So you, you gave your opinion. I gave my opinion. I think it, I think it over-triages. Okay, that's fine. Which, but I just want to get that, that out if there. You use, if you use that – it's not going to limit it's not going to point many many people toward non convey or convey to another thing you ha- you're going to have to refine that system somehow you're making my ass hurt today 
So let me I'm go ahead and give you the second point now, because I want to I want to go ahead and what we're talking about here is two different things. So the story that we're referring to uh, that we started the show off with, Kelly, was for MedStar using their nurse triage that go deeper into the protocol. And this is a this is a nurse that has years of experience. Uh, also, I know that their nurse was a former paramedic that worked in the MedStar system. And mm-hmm. she uh, has that experience as an emergency uh, medical services provider. So I, I think that that's really a great, uh, a great um, uh, addition to her nursing education as well. But what we're talking about here is two different things. So I just want to clarify as we get ready to, to go to a close. So if people call 911 and uh, the, the, disp- or the call taker says, you know what, I just don't see a medical emergency here. I'm going to go ahead and trans- transfer you to our nurse triage. The nurse triage goes ahead and goes deeper into the protocol. Maybe it's a knee pain. Maybe it's a shoulder pain. Maybe it's whatever mm-hmm. it is that she makes the determination. You probably should get seen, but you don't need to go to the hospital by ambulance. We're going to go ahead and get you an alternative mode of transport with Lyft or Uber. Okay, That's where mm-hmm. we started the show off. Where your, and I just want to clarify this for the audience, where your umbrage is coming from is the fact that if we're on scene and we're able to use an alternative mode of transport, some of the paramedics on scene are not able to make that determination because of skip, because of knowledge or because of apathy. I'm going to throw dispatchers in that same, in that oh same category. Oh my God, now you're, now not, you're, a, now no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to trash on dispatchers. I hope your but, dispatchers are but, listening to this. Oh, well, my dispatchers hate my guts anyway, <laughs> but, um, uh, but no, I'm going to, I'm going to put dispatchers in the same category, not because I I'm going to disparage dispatchers. Um, I, I do that enough anyway, but by the simple fact that doing a phone questionnaire is problematic and, and, and the, the information you glean from a phone questionnaire is, is full of inaccuracies you know, sometimes, quite often, what you get when you arrive on scene uh, resembles in no way what the dispatch information came up with. That's not because necessarily that the dispatcher was an idiot or, or, or can't, do, uh, can't do their job. It's because the nature of taking a complaint and a history and triaging people over the phone is difficult. Um, plus, you're, you're also speaking with sick uh, and panicky people with with probably limited education or they would they wouldn't be calling 911 for their trivial you are on a roll today place. you are on so, a roll today so there you go so so you know if it's difficult for a paramedic who is looking the patient in the face and performing a physical exam to do that accurately what makes you think it's going to be any more accurate done over the phone, no matter what whose education level is on the other end. That's my point. It's just going to be. I really hope it does work, and I wish Med MedStar and Lyft and and AMR and Lyft uh, all the the luck in the world. And if this turns out to be a viable model, by gosh, I'll I'll eat my hat. Yeah, well, and you better get some ketchup. You better get will, some ketchup and hot it. sauce because you're going to be and eating I that hat. I will, I will pr- sing their praises publicly right here, and I really do hope it works for them. But it's, it's like this. We've said this before. When it comes to healthcare, you got three choices, easy access, high quality, and low cost. What we're trying to do right here is, is um, change the access part of the equation and make EMS be better gatekeepers to the system. Um, and if we're going to be better gatekeepers, uh, 
to to the healthcare system, we have to up our game higher than it is right now. Um, if we if we were better educated and, and better capable of making these decisions, I, I would be totally in favor of this. Mm. Um, but mm. question is, mm-hmm. are we? I don't mm. think so. Not at this point. I got to tell you what. If there's ever one show that we get comments from our audience, this has to be the show. I want to know exactly, and I know you're going to say it. I'm going to pass the close to you here in a minute. This is my final thought here. I want to know what people think about this topic. But, Kelly, I think we got a clinical issue here. We do have a clinical issue. That's what I think. That's what Chris thinks. But there's two guys talking in a virtual squad room. We want to hear what you think. Does the model of using Uber and Lyft to transport people to the emergency department or to non-ER destinations, is it workable? What do you think the flaws are? What do you think the advantages are? Email us at the show at ems1.com. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes and bring a friend to the next podcast. This is Kelly Grayson. And for myself and Chris Sevalero, thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS. We'll catch you folks next week.